Hi there, this is Cindy Tonkin. I'm the Consultants Consultant. I work with data science teams, helping them work even smarter, faster and nicer. If you're brilliant and you want to be even better, this is the podcast for you. Hey, this is Cindy Tonkin. I'm the Consultants Consultant. This is Smarter Data People. Today's guest, Aaron Artery from Customer Crunch. Uh, he talks about how important it is to have values why sometimes it's great to fly under the radar and how to ask for forgiveness or why to ask for forgiveness, not permission. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Hi, this is Aaron Artery. He is a fabulous data scientist architect what do you call yourself he's a decision scientist and he runs a fabulous organization called customer crunch which you may not yet have heard of uh but aaron and i have worked together since 2000 when did you start 2009 so about nine nine or ten years and we've done some stuff together Uh, he has generously given me some time today to talk about how he in the decision science field Decision science. Yes, decision science. I'll explain uh, why. Yeah, yeah. Tell, I, I, tell me why. I differentiate it from data science because the diamond doesn't there's a lot of data scientists out there. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can go international and hear data scientists. Mm-hmm. There's some lots of them out there. Um, what generally happens that I've seen is they work very well with code, mm-hmm. not the best with people, yeah. not necessarily the best with understanding the, the business noise of being able to un- translate their data science into mm-hmm. a mechanism to create an outcome mm-hmm. that's valuable to the business. So I, I stick my organization right in the middle of the whole decision science paradigm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we like to sit on the cusp of um, commercially what's the intent mm-hmm. and mathematically how do you look at your data. Right. Beautiful. It's nice. Yeah. So um, the podcast, such as it is, so far is really about how do we work smarter, faster and nicer. You have your own personal routines and ways of working and you also have a team, a decent-sized team of decision scientists. Um, What do you think helps you work smarter or faster or nicer or all three? Um. Well, smarter, uh, definitely for us, it's, we do a lot of planning. We mm-hmm. do a lot of strategic planning. Uh, it's critical for us um, every, every week, um, every day of the week is about, um, then we have quarterly components to that, monthly components to that. Um, and even on sites of clients, we do a lot of work around hypothesis analysis mm-hmm. before we start anything. They want us to run in and start cutting code. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's around planning. So nice. we do a lot of stuff around that um, to be smart at what mm-hmm. we do. Um, Time-wise, a big aspect um, of the learning that I've gone through, especially in the last, um, I'd say decade, but more so in the last few years, is around the value of automation Mm -hmm. in terms of processes. Mm -hmm. Um, I hate processes, personally. Um, I hate creating processes, but I understand the value of setting one up. Mm -hmm. And once you've got them set up, you can then get someone to run that process for you and you don't have to worry about doing it anymore. Mm -hmm. Because um, you, you're ultimately, at the bottom line, you're a lazy person, right? Oh, for, As for we sure. all are. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, how do I do this most efficiently the first time so I never have to do it again? Correct, correct. And and we, we went through training, business blueprint, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of the processes component of that. So we, we actually have 
um, a little bit a level of our administrational components managed offshore. Yep. Uh, and we do um, global research and come up with global uh, analysis around certain things that are happening or national analysis mm -hmm. on freely available data. Mm -hmm. And our clients sometimes wonder how quickly we, why we were so quickly able to turn that around when they couldn't do it mm -hmm. because we are able to leverage and right. leverage through processes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's a big factor. So it's partly about anticipating customer needs before you've even necessarily got the customer. Correct, correct. And, and and also when you've got the customer, it's really having that, that question that I talk to my guys um, and, and girls about a lot is around going there and saying, you know, what else can we do? Mm. Like what else could we possibly do that could help um, make these decisions better? Because mm. um, our, our whole philosophy is around enabling our, our clients mm. and making sure that they've got the ability to um, you know, get the, get the best out of their data science capability um, or customer capability. Do you want to tell us more about Customer Crunch? or uh, yeah. You don't have to, but if you want to. Happy to. Um, so Customer Crunch, we, we focus really in that customer space. Mm -hmm. um, what I noticed when doing analytics a lot of the time was, or any form of um, uh, commercial consultancy, there's a lot of generalists out there mm -hmm. that generalize across the industry and we wanted some specific focus. We focused on the customer. Right. Um, so now in that context, we're not an analytics firm, we're a customer firm. So probably 50% of our DNA would be analytics. 30% mm -hmm. um, would be some degree of uh, market marketing services. Mm -hmm. So, um, and and just understand like customer journey, um, customer value, understand the, the offer creative and tone elements around mm -hmm. the customer. Um, and then the 20% would be the commercial consultancy part on yeah. top of that, it's mm -hmm. the strategic part. Um, What's your favorite bit? Um, it, it would it would ebb and flow between mm -hmm. different elements to it. I mean, my, my favorite part is always the story, right? Um, so I I love it when it all comes together mm -hmm. and there's a story at the end. And mm -hmm. what I really love is when you have a junior um, data scientist straight out of university and they're talking about data science, data science, data science. You, you explain to them about decision science. You explain to them the value of that. But then the moment when the story unfolds and you see their eyes pop when they come to that realization mm -hmm. that this is the where they should be focused mm -hmm. rather than I'm just cutting code, mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's amazing because you, you know that you've 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 changed an element in them that will mm -hmm. change their career trajectory trajectory indefinitely. Mm -hmm. um, and and the more people we can move across to that decision science yeah, yeah, yeah. side of the coin, um, the better. So you it comes some kind of. Um What's that word? That's, that's, that's mine. That should turn. I'll turn that off. Um, you've become a. Uh, what's the word? I'm just going to push. Go away. There you go. Go away. Uh, I'll cut that out. Um, yeah. You've become like um, a disciple. A uh, what's that word where you try and convert people? Evangelist. 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 Yeah, yeah, evil angel. An evil angel. <laughs> <laughs> so you're an evangelist for the for the concept of decision science rather than data science. So they've got to have the data science background, but they've got to have that something extra. Is that the... Well, the largest analytics firm in the world mm -hmm. is called A long story short, um, they started in Australia a major bank mm -hmm. and I got to work with them at that major bank. Mm -hmm. um, I then transitioned to another organization and we started working with them about six months later. That blew out to a team of 75. Mm -hmm. I went to uh, Bangalore and, and worked with a team over there. And what, what I did identify there was they had a three-year intern, internship. Mm -hmm. and their internship was teaching them, um, taking engineer grades through maths and statistics and mm -hmm. then into 
um, business understanding and then into some level of um, commercial design. Um, so like your CX design or your, your business design mentality. Um, they had they had some uh, wins in that, but some a lot of losses as well at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, fundamentally, but it's it's an area I believe around this space that is still in embryonic. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, I, I strongly believe that um, over time analytics will automate a lot of mm -hmm. the science component. Mm -hmm. So anyone so that's moving to tell the story are going to have to become the storytellers. Yeah, they're yeah. going to need to understand how to communicate better to do that. Yeah. So the skills are not just, uh, it, it's a structural mind, but it's not just data. It's also yeah. that that kind of softer stuff. Correct, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you are putting your guys, uh, we were just talking before about, uh, through Martini. What's yes. the story about, tell me about John Martini and what, what works for you on that. Sure. So, uh, John, um, just to give you a bit of a background on, on John Demartini. Yeah, for the people um, who don't know, I'll put a link. I'll put a link and if you make sales, hopefully I get some kind of affiliate. I doubt it. <laughs> I, I don't. Don't worry. Um, so, um, there's many, many uh, things I can say about John, but I think the best way to really kind of give you some parameters around who this guy is. Um, he, he grew up being told that he'd never read, write, communicate and never amount to much mm -hmm. in life. He then um, moved down the path of just um, finding a value in learning, mm -hmm. and there's a story behind that of how he got there. Once he got into that, he then identified there was like 200 and um, I'll get the number wrong, 296 ologies in the world: chemistry, psychology, mathematics, physics, mm -hmm. astronomy, theology itself, yeah, um, geology, 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 blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> yeah, all the ologies. All the ologies. Yes. Um, and then what he did was he identified, he worked with professors around the world and found what's the top 10 textbooks of each of those ologies. Right. Then he read them and wrote an 11 for his own words. Okay. Then went back to the lecturers and said, what do you think? And got a checked. This took him 30 years to do it. At the end of that, he came up with his own uh, study around um, human dynamics and how the human mind works and how best, um, I, there's a lot of people out there that can tell you all about it or their theories about it, but the great thing I love with Demartini's work is it has actionable steps in ways to influence and change human behaviour. Right. Uh, and so he's, um, fundamentally what, what I see him doing is, is turning psychology from a, a soft science into a hard science. Nice. Okay. So, um, and he's been giving a lot of credibility around that from, from doctors, um, around the world as to what he's doing, mm -hmm. you know. So, so the value for us um, with Demartini, uh, a key part of Demartini work is around identifying your values, identifying mm -hmm. what's your highest value, identifying what, what drives you, mm -hmm. um, and there's a process to be able to unlock that. My, my, uh, the thing I love about this is if, if I can have a team of people that are highly inspired about meeting their highest value mm -hmm. and that they can link the value of working with customer crunch to achieving that higher value, mm -hmm. I'm going to have a highly inspired, engaged team. Fabulous. So test and learn is what we're going through. And, but uh, so far, the tests have been beyond um, um, uh, an amazing outcome, mm. I, I mean, let me just say. So in terms of, uh, from a strategic leadership sense, the, the ones that have gone through and done his work um, at the back end of it, um, um, highly engaged, um, very grateful for the experience. Which is um, one of his things. Gratitude is one of Demartini's big massive things. Part. Yes, yeah, yes. massive part. And and then um, we've got this kind of a 
synergy forming around the leadership yeah. uh, in, in valuing each other's strengths and also working to, um, to manage within each other's weaknesses mm-hmm. around this. Um, which has been really good. Because you've always been someone in the in the time that I've known, you've always been, you know, hungry and 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 acquiring ways to be more influential and understand people better. What do? Because I remember when we first met, you mentioned what was it? The sanguins and the chimerics oh, yeah. and the, what's <laughs> the? That's a kind of it's a form of disc, but I'm not. What's the model? That, um, do you remember? It's from called? a book. Um, I can't remember the author's name. Um, but it's it's personality plus. Is personality the, plus. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is is the book that it originates from? Um, and it's the um, sanguines, cholerics, um, peaceful phlegmatics. Yes. And um, melancholy. Right. Exactly. Which is essentially a mirrored yeah. in the disc. The yeah. The, yeah. I'll put some links on the website. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um no it's, it was it, fundamentally it was good as as a base mm-hmm. uh, a base for the, that, that type of stuff yeah. Mm-hmm. What what's been interesting in Demartini's work has been though that um, people people's interpretation of that type of um, information normally just means that they haven't identified those traits within themselves. So right. if you're if you think oh I'm introverted mm-hmm. but um, it just means that you haven't identified in you where you are extroverted. And so if you actually sit there and identify those areas where you're extroverted, you'll find that you're in balance. You'll have a mix of introversion and extroversion, and And everyone does have have this balance. Absolutely. Certainly, yes. Certainly the the good type teachers that I know of recognise that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's that's interesting. So he actually goes for that kind of distinction. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's um, it's been remarkable... um, Remarkable to really um, re-engage with his work because mm-hmm. I, I did his work for quite a period of time and, and then stopped for a while um, and, and absorbed and mm-hmm. um, to now get back into it um, with the team as well mm-hmm. um, has been remarkable and it's it's attracted some amazing talent to our team as mm-hmm. well because our people are being advocates for our brand and our business. Um, nice. Knowing that we're not just an, a, another analytics firm or data firm or customer firm, we're a firm that actually cares about Helping progressively people achieve their own, mm-hmm. uh, achieve their highest value, right? Yeah. Um, so that that's attracting to us a lot more interest. So yes. we've attracted some really strong talent from a lot of big competing firms and organisations that mm-hmm. have taken up strong leadership positions in customer control. Mm-hmm. Wow! Well, absolutely. So if people are listening to the podcast and they want a job, <laughs> they should uh, go to send it to jobs at customer crunch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, yeah, our website's got it on there. Oh, the website. Go to his website. Go to customercrunch.com. Dot com. Of course, dot com. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, so talk to me about your daily routines or your – so you talked about planning was an important thing in the business. But what about you? How do you get productive day to day? Yeah. So fundamentally, a, a key asset in our business is a software called Teamwork, mm-hmm. um, which – Teamwork PM? Sorry? Teamwork PM? Just teamwork. I think it's just teamwork. Okay. It, it's from the. Um, it, it originated out of the um, software Basecamp. Um, oh, okay, cool. Okay, yeah. Developed Basecamp. They, yep. they created teamwork, um, and we have that as a fundamental tool um, across all of our teams. And so, what happens is there's mass. Uh, there's a, a, a high level of transparency of all work that happens with all people, mm-hmm. and you can add work in for each each and other, and you can put notes in there, and you can communicate through there. So each day for me, um, I normally get up around six and I will literally log into that if I'm not going to the gym or something. Mm-hmm. And um, 
straight away it gives you an, uh, an output as to what's what's due, what's a uh, what's outstanding, what's what's coming up. But but also in there's recurring tasks. Mm-hmm. So there's always recurring tasks depending on the day of the week for me. Mm-hmm. So. Um, uh, Monday's uh, first part of the day for me is strategic planning, mm-hmm. um, and then Tuesdays and Thursdays are mostly client-heavy days for mm-hmm. me. Um, Wednesdays there is is um, strategic development work for the business, uh, and Fridays uh, I leave quite open mm-hmm. to the need <laughs> of that week, uh, which can vary to yeah. a high degree of client work. It's the fix the problem or yeah. do the thing you promised day. I, I've, yeah. learned, I've learned the hard way that if you plan too much on a Friday, uh, normally you can end with a very terrible week. Yeah. <laughs> You're better off mopping up on a Friday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have a, gener- a literally a generous mopping up day, yeah. which means you've always got more time to do it. But the planning is absolutely essential in that. For sure. Times. Yeah, yeah. And and to be honest, it's also a little mechanism for me that if I if I'm smart enough to get my week sorted, and you can have Friday off. A Friday, I get a bit of a. How many long weekends have you <laughs> taken in the last couple of months? I I, I honestly don't. Uh, <laughs> so that's of, a zero then. <laughs> well, it's it's funny though because I've linked um, with Dimitri work. I've linked the the value of developing this business mm-hmm. to my highest values. Yes. So many times over and over and over again. Um, you know, it, being you know, um, you know, this this sounds cliche, but I, I live and breathe what I do now, so I don't feel like I need a day off. So I no. work. I work almost every day. I yeah. work weekends. I, I like working. Weekends. I like working. It's great, isn't it? It's, one of John's philosophies is um, people go, um, they want to do something until they retire, and he says retirement's great as long as it doesn't get in the way of your work. <laughs> that's so, right exactly stop pay, stop being paid for it that's fine but don't stop doing it yeah yeah, yeah. just got to find what it is yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. what inspires you the most yeah totally fantastic what about so you started your daily routine you kind of got off onto the uh, Monday Tuesday th- do you have a like I must read the paper kind of thing or uh, I must run around the block to twice a week or you know you got a step count what do you do um, I do three days a week gym um through winter, I have allowed that to lapse a little bit, um, which hasn't been that bad. It's been okay. Uh, but I, I've literally, um, it's, it's one of those things that um, I've learned that if, if I'm not managing it myself, but I want it as a priority, I, I outsource the management back on myself. So I get someone to, to basically coach me. Mm-hmm. So I've got a, a personal trainer mm-hmm. now um, for gym wise. Um, I've got a virtual CFO mm-hmm. um, to handle all of our and, and to make sure I'm structured around my finances better with the business. Um, and then I've also got um, the same type of mechanisms happening for any areas of business that, that I don't. I'm not as inspired. That you're not ex- exciting about. Yeah. yeah, where I need to be pushed a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and I'm you know, happy to uh, procrastinate or hesitate or frustrate her. Yeah. So it's good to identify what they are and then find someone that I can instruct to uh, punish me with the, mm-hmm. the responsibility of that, which has been good. So a lot of your professional development time right now is Martini. Do you listen to podcasts? Do you read books? What's your preferred professional development thing? Yeah, um, I, I do listen to audio a lot. Audio is mm-hmm. big for me. Um, Anything specific that you love? I've, I've been doing a lot of Demartini of late, I must admit. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting into um, Gary... Vinachuk? Yes. Vinachuk? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm currently reading his book, um, which is uh, Crunch It, 
Yeah. Um, uh, this crush it, this right? Crush, crush it. it. I mean, yeah. We, let's re- rename that. Crunch it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. It's probably why I think you crunch. Um, so I'm reading that at the moment, um, which is the main one for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at you say time, reading, you're listening to it on audio? Or? No, I've actually got it on my Kindle at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so I'm reading that at the moment. Um, but then in beyond that, I do, I do a lot of article digging. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of articles do you look for? So I, I look for a lot of articles. I usually go through LinkedIn and I find, I, I vet through certain um, people that I like on yeah. LinkedIn and look at what they're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that comes from HBR that's usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. I read a bit of HBR um, and then I would read a, a New Scientist magazine quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, there's been a lot of change of late in laws around um, uh, data banking practice and yeah, data yeah. practice and things like that and obviously the Royal Commission on so there's a lot of a lot of information um, a lot of insight coming around about that which is really really important you have to keep so, up with that yeah. exactly so the open open banking um, uh, is a big conversation at the moment so mm-hmm. that's something that we're really digging into in a lot of detail um, that's and then obviously a lot of stuff for me is around uh, developing a business mm. Mm. and moving towards expanding that capability out mm-hmm. over time. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. a current, well, it's been, how many years have you been working on Customer Crunch? Two or three now? Um, it was an embryonic stage of, of analysis for a year, yeah, yeah. Um, testing for a year, and mm-hmm. then finally commercial application for a mm-hmm. year. So it's a year three. So you're into year three. Yeah. Beautiful, ready to turbocharge and... Yes, yeah, so it's, it's been growing. Um, it, it's it's funny because it, when it when it really took off, uh, I I thought mentally I was ready for it, and at the same time when it happened, I was just blown away how quickly it happened. And I had mm-hmm. to pull the reins on and stop talking to people about it. So that's why I've flown under the radar quite a bit because yeah. uh, there were certain times there where the last thing I needed was another customer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that great though? That's, <laughs> that's a, a it's a great it's a brilliant that. first pro- first world problem. To yes, have. Yeah, indeed, yeah. indeed. So um, and so then it, it, it really helped. Um, identify the areas where there was manual process in place mm-hmm. that needed to be propped up with, mm-hmm. with automation. Um, and it also helped us identify where we needed to um, have mechanisms in place to scale um, better and quicker mm-hmm. and faster. So you're shoring up those little holes yeah. in the dikes, literally. Yeah. But we, we didn't invest in our website because we just didn't need to be known. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just, we're just flown under the radar. Yeah, yeah. Really, no one knows who we are. Um, so Except for customers change. who are keeping you super busy, so exactly right. What matters is exactly matter. right. So that's that's um that's been key for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What was the biggest mistake or the best decision you made? That's a really good question. Or even not in the best, but you know, one of the some of the good learnings you had early yeah. in your career. So coming to my straight away, so I, I started. Um, I worked in a call center and then moved mm-hmm. into um, analysis mm-hmm. um, as an MIS. Mm-hmm. Analyst. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, analysts didn't exist. Yeah, so, exactly. And you had to be a business analyst. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. So I moved my way up through the ranks of being a, um, all, all different areas of an, uh, analysis and analytics. Um, I created something. Mm-hmm. Got very excited about it. Went out and showed the world. Um, the world got excited at the world around me, being within the organisation I was in. Mm-hmm. They then went and took it globally and showed people overseas. <sighs> Um, I didn't test it very well. So I missed, uh, it, it didn't create an error, I just missed a whole segment of data. Right. And so the Oops. the um, the results that I presented in there were half the actual results. 
half so, in a good way or half in a bad way? Half in a good way, actually. Oh, so okay. it was okay in terms of I didn't get in trouble or anything. Yeah, yeah. But what it really pointed out to me was um, just making sure that mm-hmm. the numbers, um, the story that numbers are actually saying is accurate mm-hmm. and that you can actually go, hang on a sec, is this, is this right? It probably helped me a lot in really understanding the value of the, the, the commercial lens because analysts many times just have those blinkers on to the analysis mm-hmm. say this is what the data is saying I don't know if it's right or wrong mm-hmm. um, but when when you, you I, I think if you've had that experience of dealing with um, a, a mistake on, on a public mm-hmm. platform mm-hmm. in that regard you really get to appreciate that uh, you have a, one chance mm-hmm. of, of Demonstrating credibility because it was a big story. Like it's yes. not like it's not like a, a weekly meeting kind of problem. This is no. a Aaron's found the way to change the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was it was a report um, on on results, and but no one had cut results that way. Once I fixed it, the outcome was still the same. Yeah. In terms of the value of what it created, but it was just um, it really just taught me the value of making sure the message is right. And how did you find that there was the missing link? Uh, I actually um, got feedback from the international team. So they came back and said, we don't know if these numbers are right. And then I went and checked and my heart skipped a yeah, several, like, several beats. And then I realized, um, and it was, it, yeah, it was that great lesson because, um, and, and fundamentally it helped me from my career where I, I really, I didn't like making mistakes. Now, now I, I think in my seasoned years, mm-hmm. um, I've got the philosophy of better to ask forgiveness and permission. And so yeah, I yeah. actually go and just get stuff done. And if yeah. I stuff up or something goes wrong, then we just apologize and move forward. <laughs> um, and it's yeah. working for you? And that works usually pretty well. Well, you've also got, uh, the, one of your gifts is the ability to make people feel comfortable and happy to talk to you. Um, it's good to know. Did you not know that? <laughs> well, I, I didn't know. I've that. spoken to people who've managed you in the past who was like, it's just a pleasure to be in a meeting with him. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll, I'll probably, it's probably because I muck around too much. <laughs> no, I think it's because you, you're just a nice person. Oh, good. So, yeah, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, because you, so you have the ability to kind of understand what people want to hear and put information in that kind of context. So you love the story because the story works for you. Yeah. Um, and obviously you have seen people in the decision science fields who haven't got that gift um, and you're constantly honing it. So where am I going with this question? The question was, oh, okay, uh, the idea of explanation. How do you explain? What do you think about before you explain something to a client or a a colleague. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we have this, um, we've got several methodologies within our business. One of our methodologies we use is, is a, a product of ours, which we're about to launch uh, more publicly, which is called Sparker. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that is an end-to-end data science um, uh, pl- platform. Mm-hmm. And part of the Sparker is a discovery element to it, where we look at three dimensions of a business. Mm-hmm. So. Dimension one is um, who is your customer? So we identify who the customer is. So we look at all the customer artifacts, your NPS scores, all, all your customer results, any complaints, um, who the actual profile is of your customer, mm-hmm. everything else, your customer journey maps, everything about the customer in your organization. Then we move into step two. Step two is we look at your data. So we start really digging into your infrastructure, like in terms of what's available for analytics to do some work on, because mm-hmm. um, normally there's not much there. 
Uh, we look at the quality of that data. We look at the speed and velocity of that data. So we start looking at the big data elements mm-hmm. to it. We look at the uh, architecture and we look at uh, assets that have been built. So what yes. segmentations, modeling, uh, dashboards, yeah. whatever has been built. Then the final one is the strategic intent. Mm-hmm. And this normally comes from our sponsor or it comes from their bosses. And so we look at what is the strategic intent of that team or organization. We love to hit the seat. The seat Much the same as a Demartini values question. It's Correct. What's the value of this work? Yeah. And so it really comes down to what are they after in mm-hmm. the end, right? So what do they want? And normally for our space or our customer, it comes down to two things. They either want to save money or they want to make money. Mm-hmm. They want to grow their customer base or they want to stop their customer base leaving. Yeah. It's usually all it That's comes it. down to. Yeah, yeah. And then there's elements to that around engagement. They want to improve customer engagement. They want to um, stop elements of churn, but other elements they don't, which mm-hmm. can be counterintuitive mm-hmm. half the time. Uh, they, they want to get better at the sales funnel. Like it's, they it's want just, to retain or they want to acquire. Yeah, get, they get, grow, is get money way. or... Yeah. So once, once we've established that, our story and all our work revolves around that. That's all mm-hmm. it does. We just look at who their customer is, what data they have to understand that customer, what's their strategic intent. Mm-hmm. So they've given us the parameters and framework around dividing, devising the story. Mm-hmm. And then when we do that, and we present it back to a client and demonstrated what they can do over three years and... They, they were blown away. We've done mm-hmm. that so many times. Like they, they're just surprised at what is possible mm-hmm. when someone has clearly articulated to them the value of understanding this space. We'll, we'll get you more money. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll save you money. Stop you from losing money. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But my, my philosophy in the team has always been um, if we can demonstrate, and this is what I say to my, our, our, our team all the time, if we can demonstrate that one dollar invested with our, our business could turn into three dollars as a yeah. minimum. Then it's a poker machine job. that always pays. Yeah, we've done a good job, yeah, yeah. and and we've always exceeded that by factors. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I think we can we have that philosophy in our business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for, and for a business, that's all you need to do. That's right. Well, it, 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 to, to, to some degree, though, it, it creates a level of arrogance in my in myself. I must admit, oh, yeah. because I then start working with. Clients, and I've already done this, even though I've got a startup, I've already said to some clients, um, you're not ready to do anything, you're not ready to grow, and you're not ready to um, become efficient. Wow, so you're pushing and challenging. So we're going to leave. So we've done that already yeah, to yeah. clients, and then that's like, oh, no, 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 don't, no, no, don't come back. We're ready now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I love having the, the certainty of that position because mm-hmm. we, we want to make sure that we – we, we give value. And if, yeah. and if I feel that we're not going to give value, then then I, I don't want our team to be involved in it. No. I, I don't want us to... Because you're just scrabbling around and it doesn't it doesn't nurture and... Correct. Make, it doesn't get you your values. And it doesn't it doesn't inspire the team. Um, there's no good news story at the end of, for anyone. Um, yeah, we'll make some marginal revenue, but there's a dime that doesn't organisations out there that want to grow. Yeah, yeah. That, want to that will take any. Efficient. Yeah, uh, the Jezebel consulting concept. You pay, we'll do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we, yeah, we have that philosophy for us. Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, okay, now I had some other questions. Let me find what they are. Hiring. Ah, firing, did you say? I thought it was hiring. Hiring, yeah, you want to talk about hiring? Let's talk about, so when you, when you hire data in oh, sorry information decision decision science i'm sorry it's just really hard for me to remember when you it's hire okay. a decision when you look for we don't hire them as decision scientists we no. hire data scientists and we evolve them into that beautiful when you hire a data scientist what are you looking yeah. for um so we have different elements to this so um 
I I generally my interviews are very short mm-hmm. at this stage. Yeah, yeah. I love to get. And I've done this quite a bit in my career, um, and you know some of the people that I've hired yeah, yeah. over the years yes, or worked yes. over the years, um, and a lot of them have moved on to some amazing some, yeah um, positions within mm-hmm. within the um, within this industry, and and I I love to just sit there and just say look at what are they most inspired by like trying mm-hmm. to unlock what their values are mm-hmm. and trying to get them fired up about their passion around this subject or not mm-hmm. if, they're not, if they're not passionate to do this and this is just a, like they're going to try and phone this in I've got no interest in hiring them uh, no. at all that, that would never work for you no. on any level so you have a when you say short like 20 minutes 10 minutes 5 minutes no it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a 30, 30 minutes sometimes 20 hour and, and yeah. to be honest if it's a really good conversation I'll even keep going over an hour and a half mm-hmm. um so my, my job is three things within within an interview. One, one is to identify their their, their aspiration and vision mm-hmm. and, and value. And see if it aligns with yours, yes. That's the second part. Oh, is, that's the is second it, one. Is it, does it align with the company? Does it align with customer crunch, our culture right. and our yep. philosophy? Um, we've had people that have been industry-wise considered some of the best and they've talked to us all about how they're going to be able to get more sales and screw down the customers and and get more margin and i'm like that's not our philosophy so see you later not yeah, interested yeah. so we, we have a philosophy and a, and a culture that we want to maintain mm-hmm. and even at, even at a small size and then third is because um, you're like 20 ish now 15, we're getting 20. there so yeah. i'd say we'll be 28 by october this right. year so mm-hmm. we'll see how we go constantly growing you never know <laughs> that's right um and then the third the third one for us is really um bringing those, those elements together. So once we understand um, their, their values and we understand that they culturally fit, I really want to understand their story. Mm-hmm. So that determines whether or not they have the potential to become decision scientists. Because right. if they can string together their interests into a story, then we've got something to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I normally, in that, in that context with an interview, ask the question, tell me your story. And mm-hmm. I say, tell me your experience. Mm-hmm. Tell me your story and tell me any aspect of your story. You can tell me about where you've worked. You can tell me about where you've studied. You can tell it's me about gonna, your It's going to bubble out anyway. Exactly. And, and I've had, I, I've literally had some people through my team that um, over the years that they've been in tears in an interview because they're so inspired about this Their own story. Era, yeah, their yeah. Own story. And then I go, you're hired. Yeah, yeah. And they're <laughs> so, like, fuck, I thought, I, I thought I'd fucked it up, but no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But I, I do the first initial one, and, yeah. then, and then I go, um, you're going to talk to someone who's got a lot more technical know-how than I do on yeah, the yeah. current tools and practices and methodologies. Because if they don't pass you, then there's no point. Exactly. Right. If they don't have the values, there's no point, but then we need to make sure we've got some technical yeah. basis on that. So what's your story, Aaron? Tell me your story. What story do you want to tell? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, my, my story really is I I just inspire to growth, right, and, and change and really understanding unlocking mm-hmm. things. So I'm, I'm always big on just identifying every customer's unique story mm-hmm. and then expressing that back to them in a way that demonstrates where they can grow mm-hmm. and move beyond mm-hmm. that. And so that's my thing. I, I love stories mm-hmm. and I love um, finding new ones and listening to people and hearing When did you first learn that? When did I first learn that that story that you love stories or the, what was the oh, I think what was the lesson or the 
you know, was it your grandfather taught you how to tell stories when you were six? Or I, I think it's more the fact that it, it, uh, D-Martini says the void is driving values, right? So if you have a right. void on something, then you'll create a value inverse to that. So if you if you had a void on, you, you never traveled in your life as a child, mm-hmm. um, you may have a value on traveling when you're older. If right. you had a void on um, not having enough money as a child, you have a value on money when you're older. Mm-hmm. So it's the voids to other values. I, I think for me, fundamentally as a child, I had a void on um, anything new because it, it was, I lived in a country town, there was only so many stories, there was only so many people that what I What country around. town did you come from? Coffs Harbour. Okay. I still call it country. I, I went to high school in Tweed, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, I get it. Yeah. So, so okay. It was so, boring. It was yeah. so boring, and and I was like, from a very young age, wanted to get out of that town. Because and you didn't surf, right? I did. I oh, you did surf. Yeah, I did surf. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, um, if you can call uh, bodyboarding surfing. Oh, okay. So you bodyboarded. We'll say that. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, I, I worked in that context of, of just. I didn't have much there to work with, so mm-hmm. I looked for stories and I created stories and I coded mm-hmm. and created new programs for stories and I dived in movies. I used to watch movies indefinitely. So mm-hmm. stories have always been to me. What's your favourite movie? Um, good question. Favourite movie? Well, the yeah, it's hard to it, say it, one, but yeah. you know. I mean, Shawshank's definitely probably Fuck. number one. It's like the boy movies. Like the new Godfather is the Shawshank. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. It, it's definitely up there. A Contact would be one of my one of okay. my all time favourites. I literally watched it two nights ago. Right. Um, I'm just rewatching the Red Swing right now from the very beginning. Okay. Yeah. I'm loving it. There's so many. There's so many really good stories out there. But there's a lot of like great movies. But I don't really have the time to no, watch no. movies or. Anymore, so. so you're not reading any fiction at the moment? I have a book sitting next to my desk, uh, next to my bed, and uh, by Feist, Raymond Feist. Okay. He wrote The Magician. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a second best fantasy book to Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Oh, really? Uh, amazing book. And uh, so I have that book, one of his book, new books, uh-huh. sitting next to my bed, but I haven't, haven't read it yet. I haven't read it yet. It's been there for six weeks. I've been too focused on And someday you'll pick it up. I mean, you're just yeah. in a, you're in a literal customer crunch right now. That's exactly right. <laughs> Probably you shouldn't have named it that, should I? <laughs> yeah, no, maybe you should think about reorganising that. <laughs> um, so you already told us a story about saying no to a customer. You know, you're not ready for this. And that actually caused them to push back. Yeah. Um, what else do you say no to? We, we definitely will say no to certain clients. I've had a client who is in a, an area of business, let's say, that takes, takes money away from those with the least in society. Oh, dear. And um, they asked us to help them get better at that. And, <laughs> and we said no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't say what type of organisation. No, 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 it's hard to, away. yeah. Um, but we did that, and um, it's it's just it's very interesting when I'm I'm there with my my team, and they have an expectation that um, oh it's a client, let's just do what we need to do, yeah, and then I say, Jezebel, no, nope, yeah. we're not doing that, and yeah. even the client, like even those type of clients, just don't understand why we wouldn't but, do it. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's essentially because it's contravening your values. Yeah, exactly uh, right. So when you say no, what helps you to say no in a way that you feel comfortable with like what's the what's the words what's the routines for saying no nicely essentially 
Well, literally, I, I always sit down with the client and, and um, I mean, there's been a few times with certain projects where they've, they've wanted us to do certain things and we've, I, I've basically said, this isn't going to work for us. So we're actually ready to um, walk away from this. And what we will do, though, is we'll recommend A and B. Mm-hmm. And so we will recommend others to do it. And we've done that a yeah. few times. And um, it's always very interesting because when you take something away from someone, um, they're very keen they to want it more. back. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've normally, um, we normally have that situation occur a few times. Um, but I mean, it's, it's still pretty early days for us in that regard. But um, we, we, we say no when we need to. Um, what, I, what I also do is I'm, I'm a big strong believer in protecting the interests of my team as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't, we've had a situation with one client um, bullying um, one of our team. Oh. Um, so I've, I've stepped in the client and in no uncertain terms said, um, This is not happening. This is not happening. And we're going to pull them out. And um, so, yeah, we, we've had situations like that. That's, that's tricky. Yeah, it is tricky. Very tricky. It is tricky. Let me see what else we've got here. Um, what's your favourite charity? Uh, B1G1. Okay, and B1G1 is? Uh, buy One, Give One. Okay. Which is um, it's a global charity originated here in Australia. Um, amazing network. I, I do recommend it. Um, we're about to integrate it into our new website design. Um, what it does um, is it basically has a philosophy around it. If, if you go and buy a cup of coffee, uh, that organisation or if that organisation went and planted a tree every time a cup of coffee was made or mm-hmm. what happens if that organisation, um, when you bought a bottle of water, um, gave water to a farmer. Like, right. So it's Me. got this kind of buy one, give one kind of philosophy to it. And so we, we want to integrate that as part of the part of our philosophy within our own... Um, so when someone buys consulting services, they will plant a tree? <laughs> well, it, it, us, for us, our, one of our key values in our business is around um, wisdom and learning mm-hmm. and understanding. So our the great thing about B1G1 is you can choose which country... And what projects you want to invest in? Right. Okay. And it just and every dollar that goes to them. It, right. like they they hit the governments up to fit the bill for administration, mm-hmm. and so every dollar goes to the cause that you want to give to. Mm-hmm. So for ours, we will a lot of our direction will be to causes around education. Right. So we're educating um, indigenous people and educating people across the world. Yeah. Um, in different places. Oh, yeah. interesting. Cool. It's always a pleasure to talk with Aaron and I look forward to seeing him again and recording him again on the podcast as he has so many ideas and experiences that are useful to hear. If you want to know any of the background information uh, from Aaron's uh, podcast today, just go to smarterdatapeople.com and look for the Aaron Artery episode where you will find all the references. If there's something missing, please let me know. My name is Cindy Tonkin. I'm the consultant's consultant. I work in corporates with just data science consulting teams to help them work smarter faster and nicer find me through smarterdatapeople.com or consultantsconsultant.com.au i'd like to thank keegan o'shea who uh, wrote the music that you're hearing as we leave this podcast i hope that there's something in it for all of us see ya